Hello, everyone. Welcome to What is Covenants, Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry with Carolyn Barnett and Dave Clay. Now, I was brought up to believe that as an example, possibly, but certainly out of some degree of <laughs> simply uh, a want to not be basically a hypocrite or even approach hypocrisy in any sort of measure, as with integrity, <laughs> don't ask anybody to do anything you would do. And as such, with the example part, uh, demonstrate, show. Uh, not to shame, not to criticize, but maybe to teach, to edify, to then encourage more of the same, not by just telling, not just by saying, but by doing. And in that spirit, I think, so there is Jesus and certainly the suffering servant, Isaiah 52, I believe it is. Uh, where Jesus demonstrated not only Isaiah prophesied of the demonstration of the suffering servant to come, but would demonstrate uh, how he would not ask anybody to do anything he wasn't willing to do all the way to the very end. And there's, I think, much to be said for that. But at the same time, if you really want people to learn how to do it themselves, you got to watch because in your doing it, or at least not holding yourself any more above them, uh, or holding yourself out as being in any then likewise measure of being better than them, uh, that you yourself would end up then not only risking their. <laughs> not appreciating the credibility missing, uh, as with that element of hypocrisy. But you also have to kind of watch out, because if you do that too much, even, or if you continue to do that for them, some would just <laughs> do it. It's sort of like the feeding of the thousands. The idea was, oh, well, you're just going to feed us. You're just going to take care of us. And that's not what that's about either. When it comes to actually then showing with integrity and demonstrating, you want people to learn how to do it. And then out of similar spirit, having, I suppose, some gratitude for having received, they too then would not only be willing to give, but find the true blessing <laughs> the validation. If you do it for somebody else, then for sure you're able to do it. But in the same sort of way, if they do it for you, then for sure they too have not only learned, but they're wanting to contribute. Second Thessalonians 3, beginning with verse 6. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the traditions which he received of us. For yourselves know how ye ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, 
but wrought with labor and travail night and day that we might not be chargeable to any of you. Not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ, that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means, The Lord be with you all. And that was through verse 16. So there is a time and place certainly to show and to give. And the Apostle Paul is with the church at Thessalonica or Nica. He had given not only the word, but at this particular point, there was much to be said for charity. Uh, not only exampling, or as King James puts it, ensampling, what is the true work of charity, and that would be love, and even in love, I love you. You can say those words, but if you don't follow it up with actions, then they're just words. But the Apostle Paul demonstrated both in word and action, and he did that not only to prevent the possibility that he would be placed on in some sort of position of uh, hierarchy-wise being better than everybody else, lest he also might fall into the trap of thinking himself better than anybody else. It was an exercise in humility and humbleness. And truly, Paul constantly exercise humility and humbleness, but mostly by acceptance of the grace, the forgiveness of God. Who would not think it, I would believe, or even in word, we would not say that God would think it wrong to be able to help others or to do for others. But at the same time, though, if you did that even so out of hypocrisy, that would be wrong. But if you did that such that others then, out of their own maybe ignorance and maturity, out of their own lack of maybe confidence, faith that they could do it, they would just let you do it. And you'd have to take care of them. And with that, then you couldn't get them to work. Now, at the beginning of the podcast, a lot of that comes just from personal experience. And that would be not only in a more domestic home situation, but even so as with a business and there are people who work for you and with you and on the payroll, so to speak, you should at least the work ethic, demonstrate a good work ethic from the top down. Or as with the top down, you kind of lead from the bottom up. Again, the suffering servant. 
But if it would just be to save them or just be to do it for them or just be to supply them their need <laughs> without also the idea that in that they too should be thankful for God, not necessarily <laughs> their employer, but God that he loved them enough to give them the gift, not only the physical, material sort of aspects of a good work ethic, actually the capability to do, to to help take care of one another in that charity sort of way, but to also then be able to recognize, I could do this for somebody else. We hear that saying, it's better to give than to receive, and it comes from certainly Bible and Jesus. But at the same time, even if we were to remove those particular references, the origin wouldn't change. It still comes from God through Bible, through Jesus, through the Word of God, and through the actions, the living Word of Jesus Christ. But it is, elegantly so, the best way to take care of one another. If you start out with just the giving in order to receive... When there's a lack of receipt, when people don't give back, you could even so, with that in mind, so to say, well, I'm not going to give to you anymore, you don't give back. And maybe in the end, (laughs) that is kind of similar. They're not giving, and they should, and there needs to be at least some recognition of the responsibility. I don't know that it's always obligation. It should be more desire. Motive. I've, thank you. I've got this great thing. Let me help and give back to you. That's the best motive. And yet, many people don't begin with that same thought when it comes to God. We love because He first loved us, First John. But when we begin to realize how God literally (laughs) takes care of all of our needs. Where it's not just word, but genuinely we see his love manifest both in word, I love you, and then action to the extent of even when we've done it wrong, even if we should become so or remain so or return to or find ourselves in on occasion, such a selfish sort of motive, or get used to. And I did not want to really go too far out there when it comes to extra energy to take care of others or maybe the pain that goes along with helping others to learn to do this. The Apostle Paul obviously experienced in his physical dimension a lot of pain. There was a price that was paid even for Paul. The ultimate price of that in context of salvation, Jesus paid on the cross. The burden is that some will make you give it all, or at least seem to be pushing you to a place of giving it all. And only in the Holy Spirit would you know, and only out of the proper motive of having known what it is to have received, could you sustain the effort of giving or do it in such the right measure as to not allow it to be corrupted by your own sort of feelings of indignation or anger or frustration over being the only one that's doing it. 
Uh, Don't grow weary in your well-doing, as this passage I read a moment ago puts it. And I do think sometimes Christians, maybe that is one of the, the more prominent temptations or experiences that the devil uses in a way of tempting us. Uh, I'm tired. Can't you help? <laughs> Can't you? Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus. Can't you stay awake and pray with me? All I'm asking you to do is just pray with me. Just be with me in my time of emotional need, psychological need. Not to mention all the power of prayer when it comes to spiritual dimension. And the knowledge, of course, that Jesus had of what was ahead of him and all that would be expended in taking on all of this burden of doing all of that work, even to the point where it did result in his physical death. Some of it just out of malice. People, persons, humanity, not liking what he was offering. Not liking what he was testifying to. Not liking what was prophesied in Isaiah. Not wanting to be a servant, but wanting to be served. Not wanting to be inconvenienced or pained themselves. Not acting in integrity. Believing transactionally, well, I gave you what I told you was going to give you, even if they should do it with some degree of honor, truthfulness. I'm not going to die for you. It's up to you. You have to take care of yourself. Now, yes, this passage does get to some of that, even as Paul reminds us that there is an element of what you've received, you have to give. And this epistle was about that. And drawing or bringing to, drawing their awareness to, bringing forth in awareness the need, you know, we've taken care of you. Not in a, a way of we expect you to give back, but in a way of where's your gratitude? Where is the Holy Spirit in that? Where is it then that you're demonstrating you've really received this in Holy Spirit dimensions and are now willing to give it to others, to support others? Or are you going to now take what's been given you, as the devil did, and continues again to inspire, once more to inspire when given an opportunity through that temptation? Well, I'm not going to give it all away. If I give it all away, I'll not have any. But that kind of gets back to that most elegant of models. If we all, in unison, in unity, in one mind, one body, one soul, one spirit, dimension, all in Jesus, as within the gospel of Jesus Christ, as within that servant's mind, took care of one another, nobody would be lacking anything and we wouldn't be sitting around getting upset and angry because we gave and never got anything back. I do think that there's situations in life that are entirely transactional and there's certain individuals who are just not spiritually either saved or can't grasp the concept of love. Love for them is just all the receiving part. They want it. They believe in it. Until it comes to that point of having to themselves give, not only in same measure of material dimension, more or less, but certainly with all thy heart, mind, soul, and spirit. 
love others as you love yourself, as God has then, in loving you, shown you your value and worth. But to get that to flip in that way and to make that kind of movement, the flip would be from a more selfish orientation to a more generous orientation. One not only has to understand the servant's mind, the mind of Christ, the salvation that would be implicitly promised, but would have to test it. Is it going to result in your death? Hopefully not. But if it does, it does. And in some ways, all of us should realize that our part in this world, we've received when we got here. We've looked at it, accepted it, and hopefully most of us realize that as we then approach our exit, we do that very thing. Do you give it in full measure? Do you give it generously? Do you give it out of all thy heart, mind, soul, and spirit? Generosity? Do you give it with gratitude and thanksgiving? Do you appreciate the sacrifice of Christ, not just at the end of his life when he had to in natural measure, but even before he got there, he forgave And I don't know that I want to take anything away from any of the passion of Christ or the glory of God manifest in the sacrifice of his only begotten son, Jesus. But to bring it to a more human dimension, Jesus did not have to die on the cross that day. You can say, well, it was an inevitability. He was going to eventually die in flesh. That's not what it's about, though. That gets back to the bad motive. Well, I gave, I gave, I gave, and you didn't give back. So I'm a little bit angry and irritated, and I'm just going to withhold it, and I'm not going to give anything that I, more than I have to, and if I don't have to give anything, I'm not going to, and I'm certainly not going to do it with any real measure of compassion, thinking of you maybe having been me or me one day being in that same position of need, being you, we're just going to try to take care of us, me and my own. And my own would only be those that would be equally entitled, (laughs) equally worthy, um, And so would then understand those are the rules we play by. No, that's mammon. (laughs) It may be a way to play the game and there may be some power that comes from that, but it's not the power of resurrection. Because until you do lay it all down, you really don't know the power of resurrection. Does it have to be with your life? Once again, I'm not sure that it has to be with that thought in mind, but you might want to go ahead and accept it's going to happen inevitably one day. Why not now? And then make sure the motive is the purest and the best. Don't give it reluctantly. Don't give it out of some sense of coercion. Don't do it out of obligation. Don't do it as kind of a hedge. (laughs) If God is this kind of generous God and I'm not being given, maybe I ought to go ahead and do that as tribute tribute, even unto Caesar. But tribute really isn't generosity. 
And it certainly isn't creativity. And if generosity, if the power of love, as it would come to you, needs to flow through you, so that you might find then on the other side of that sacrifice, no matter how great or minimum it might seem to others or even yourself, do it out of the same motive. But if you do see someone who is advantaging in a wrong sort of way from that highest order of giving, unconditional, not conditional, not reciprocity, but true agape love, the love of God, the first loved us. We love because he first loved us. If they're not doing that out of the right spirit, then don't participate. I'm sure you're not going to let them die. And should it require even then (laughs) the giving of yourself and your soul, as would Jesus die for us all. But Paul was saying, you should work and you should example that with integrity and you should lead with integrity. (laughs) And, And if somebody's taking advantage of that or if they're really not accepting that, maybe it's a matter of trying to figure out, well, if they're not then when and how much and to what extent should I give to them? As much Jesus did say, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, what he was saying was, in a transactional way, you can't change that so much and some things you're obliged to do. But that's transactional is material, worldly dimension. And you can argue and fight with them if you'd like and Maybe there's merit in that, and if you say it's righteous indignation and finding the right thing, maybe you can justify a good bit of that. But I think ultimately, in the end, if it comes to that, I think what really it all comes back to is if you lead with the servant's heart, you're going to lay it all down. Why? Not because you're expecting that other person transactionally, materially, in mammon terms, those more material agreement sort of terms, reciprocity terms, even friendship terms, not to mention the selfish sort of people out there who are just really childish and just want you to take care of them all the time. They're not going to necessarily return anything unto you that God hasn't already given them, but they're not going to satisfy you even if you should make them return what you've given in that same sort of material manifestation. The exchange isn't a material one. It's a spiritual one. And if it is love, though love has charity, a material dimension, we're not going to base our actions, in Christ that is, on those material things, on those material dynamics, I should say, and with things, the things of this world. What we're going to do is we're going to look at that in Holy Spirit terms. And we're going to do that out of that love, which God is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And we're going to do that first and foremost as in everything we do. But there may be a time or place where we have to say, for the sake of a salvation of a soul, or for the sake of helping the childish grow up a bit, or maybe relieving the burden off of those that really need help, they need relief. 
we may end up finding ourselves having to go ahead and give. Or we may, in the same sort of way, to encourage them to grow up, say, no, you've got to do that. You've got to learn to do that. And if you do, or as you would, then put them in that position. It's not that we're angry at them. It's not that we're going to fight with them. It's not that in some sort of a way that we're going to abandon them or anything of that nature. What I think we're going to do is just basically say, well, we're not going to participate in the system, the mammon, in those terms. We're not going to set up money changers, (laughs) exploit, introduce the commerce element so much in the temple, at least not to the extent that that is our lead when there's a genuine need, when we know there's no other way to meet it, we're going to go ahead and, and lay our life down for that person. Now, again, it's not my judgment. It's the discernment of the Holy Spirit, but it's going to come from the person. But if you even do that within the more cultural context, which I think, again, the Apostle Paul is trying to capture, and that would be create a culture, live within a culture, where that is really the standard. And as much as we do that, then I think what we end up doing is we end up not only helping one another in that particular culture, but in that we're able to help others who may not be part of us and them. Us. Um, Me and my own. But includes the them. Uh, we give to the lost. We lay down our life for Jesus, not the lost, because they're not going to give anything back. But for the sake of Christ and for the sake of the testimony of the power of that love within us, we're going to do that. And it will be an example, and it will be, hopefully, done with such integrity, and it will, in that way, trigger and a likewise change of heart, possibly, or just a a, a sort of pricking of the heart or a <laughs> quickening of the spirit in the heart. And maybe they'll begin to do more of that out of the Holy Spirit in them. Maybe they'll, they don't know Jesus, they'll come to Jesus. <laughs> Always take it back to Jesus if you can or should. Um, as much as it would be something you could do, tell them, Where you got this? It's from Jesus. It's the gospel. It's from the word of God. So that they would know. So that they could maybe turn in that same direction. In that way, I think counseling kind of follows a bit of a similar suit. Uh, Specialized pastoral care, Christian counseling. Because really that's what we're doing there. We're trying to meet the need. We're doing it out of a spiritual dimension. And, and with that, there is a transactional sort of nature to it. But, but ultimately, if it comes to it, the transactional is not the basis. It's not for the sake of simply the transaction. It's for empowerment. And what's the empowerment? It's not just me teaching someone. It's hopefully stirring up the gift in them. That's the only way you're going to get it done, too, is if God does it from within. Nobody's going to do anything they don't want to do. It just doesn't happen. 
But should they make it a choice to receive Jesus into their heart or acknowledging Jesus in their heart, then as much they give, they will then begin to participate. And there is resurrection that follows any act of sacrifice. Righteous sacrifice. And you can't describe it. It's certainly got a material manifestation, but it's really more about the validation that you had it to give. There's nothing greater than to know you got, especially when you feel like you don't. And the one promise that we have is we always have Jesus. We're never lacking when it comes to God and the Holy Spirit, except that we would not receive Him. That as an already given, a forgiven. We could get that attitude that forgiveness is not just after the fact. Forgiveness is actually literally giving in advance. And maybe that's what some call the attitude of gratitude or thanksgiving. But you're not going to be a servant, a good servant, without some element of bitterness creeping in, except that you would give it in that spirit. But even as going back to the idea of being an employer, the boss. Yeah, I'm going to live it. I'm going to example it. I'm going to teach. I'm going to hopefully inspire. I'm going to at some point at least make it clear that there's a need to contribute in like measure or manner. But the best I could hope for is, is that it is in them. And I will have recognized that. So that I would not have then entered into a relationship with someone who doesn't have either a measure of that manifest or with that the full manifestation of the Holy Spirit already. That's the discernment that I also would want to operate out. Because if you find out that you've been tricked or that that person really doesn't have that desire or should they maybe just be in a really bad spot and they're not going to be able to in any way return those things, do it with the same grace and mercy and forgiveness that Jesus did. If we lead with that, if we follow that prophecy to its manifestation as with Jesus, God's only begotten Son, and we understand the Gospels, and particularly the Gospel of Jesus Christ, as testified to through the Gospel accounts, will be the Apostle Paul. <laughs> we'll say, yeah, we want to take care of you, we want to help you, we want to show you, Jesus, the love of Christ, but somewhere along the way, if you really get him in your heart, if we really stir up the gift, if we prick the heart in the right sort of way, And your conviction is that, oh, it's in me. I I, want to return that. I want to give that back. You're not going to do that out of law or legalism or obligation. You're going to do that out of love. But you're also going to carry your own weight. And maybe you'll not only carry your own weight, but maybe you will in such that manner kind of be willing to go above and beyond what is the maybe more normal standard. And what would that be? Well, you know, if you do find yourself wanting to lay down your life for another, I don't know if something that God has called you to. And I think there are some commitments that you make that declaration. Maybe I do. I do. No maybe about it. I do think marriage is that. 
whatever measure you can do that with or in, hopefully you'll marry somebody who's of similar mind and soul and spirit and have loved God with all of those things so that they might then not only know the love of God in them that empowers them to love you, or maybe they're a little lesser, or maybe they're just having a bad day, a bad week, a bad month, a bad year, a bad moment in their life, and you just have to cover them. But when you make that commitment, what you discover is intangible, material, measurable ways, when you do that work without a lot of complaining and griping and fighting and arguing <laughs> over, you broke the covenant, you broke the agreement, you're not doing your part. If you can do it in that way, then what you'll find is it's in you. You might do that for your kids. I would hope that every parent loves their child in that same measure. You may do that for another family member, brother or sister, your own mother, father, maybe extended family. Maybe you could do it for everyone as Jesus did. The more you do it, though, the more powerful you become. But there is an extraction or a toll that comes with that. And at times... I do believe this. Don't grow weary in your well-being means just got to be careful not to put yourself in a position where the devil can tempt you, even as Jesus, 40 days in the wilderness. Nobody to talk to, no food in your belly. And then the devil loves to come along when you're weak and vulnerable like that. And we do need to remember the word, and we need to remember the promise as with word, and we need to remember the example of living word in Jesus. But angels, (laughs) come help me. Um, Prayer partners. We've got the opportunity to build each other up and support each other with a culture like that. It's called the church. Let's do it. Let's make the church like it was in the beginning, the New Testament church. Let's make sure that we're a contributing part of that. (laughs) I don't know if you have to take all your money and put it into a singular pot and then give it out to everybody who's in need. Maybe that would be right. I'm not sure that I'm going to call you to that, especially the culture that we live in, the times that we live in. But at least let's try to do the best we can to be generous with what we've been given and understand if God's given us that to give away and we can and we continue to find the strength to do it even to the end of ourselves. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor and follow after him, rich young ruler. Then let's at least aspire to do that. It's what, again, we try to coach and counsel. We try to build up and edify individuals to come see us with similar word, with similar testimony, with similar instruction. And should we do it well? Should we do it to the extent or degree that we're called to? Then I know there'll always be blessing and there'll always then be resource because that's what God promises. But if we're going to take all the definitions off of it, then you may find yourself... Birds have nests, foxes have dens, but the Son of Man has no place to lay down his head. No pillow at night. Maybe that's your calling. It is really something to think about, though. 
where are you in your faith walk and can you do that? And I'm not trying to say that anybody should or shouldn't. I'm not trying to judge that. I'm just trying to remind us all, then what would it be to ask you to be a bit more generous? Love God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and spirit and others as you love yourself. Hopefully, that's what the podcast is about. Hopefully we can encourage you not only in the counseling, specialized pastoral care, Christian counseling, venue, where we do that one-on-one or with families, but maybe we could do it on the podcast. That would be our great hope. And should you want to reach out to us for any reason, feel free. Call 304-528-9220, covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com. Also, you can find us on Facebook, covenantsonline.com. Just reach out to us. So, We'd love to hear from you. Uh, want your feedback. Want your input. And again, would in that same sort of way of reaching out to us, we're going to keep reaching out to you, continue to reach out to you, and would enjoy very much your coming back and joining us for our next podcast of, or edition of, What is Covenant? Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry with Carolyn Barnett and Dave Clay. And as we like to say on the podcast, until then, be richly blessed.